Last time on the Skip and Josh podcast. Next episode, we're going to give out our awards for uh, all our favorite stuff of the year. Our favorite TV show, favorite movies, favorite podcasts, our favorite teams, play of the year, the, the MVP of the year in sports. Don't forget favorite song. Favorite song. It's huge. I know it's a big one. You've had that written down for like at least six months. I know, but then then I heard another song, and so I think it might have been displaced. <laughs> Very nice. You're listening to the Skip and Josh podcast with Skip Sherman and Josh Obadia. Okay, Skip. So today is uh, New Year's Eve, and we are recording our best of 2021. This is an annual episode that we do just to talk about all our favorite things that happened in the past 12 months. And you would think that now, this is being our fifth time doing it, that I would finally understand how this works. And, <laughs> and the reason I say that is because in the previous years, I've had a lot of trouble with this episode, particularly with one of the categories, and that category being best play of the year. So I always used to pick the play that I thought was the most spectacular play of the year, whether it was a fancy goal or an amazing catch or whatever. But I'm not doing that anymore. When when we get to our favorite play of the year, I'm just picking what my favorite play was, regardless of whether it was spectacular or not. I mean, but that's like, that, that that's true to the show, Josh, actually, because, you know, five years ago, you wrote up like a description of what the show could be. And you had a very poignant, like, sentence and it's like and it's about what i mean look it was a sports podcast our podcast is mainly a sports podcast the last two years not as much but you said you said like it's what sports means to us like what does it mean to you so if that's your favorite play that's your favorite play like for whatever reason it it it, you you liked it for for whatever your reason is that's our other golden rule it's like it's our show our rules so like whatever you choose hey that's that's your that's your choice but, but but it's funny because I emailed you, like you asked me, email me the categories. I'm like, okay, we've done this for five years. This is the fifth time doing this. Like, you should know those categories. But but I emailed you the categories. And then this morning, now you kind of called an audible because you, you told me you want to do them like in a certain order. Because we always did the sports ones first and then the pop culture stuff sort of second. And now we're going to do it the other way around. And I'm I'm all for that because our podcast for this year has mainly been about music movies tv and less so about sports right so i think it's good correct and and just to give you a lot a little more insight in the past when trying to determine the favorite play of the year i would watch those you know year end shows where they count down the top 50 or the top 100 plays of the year and i would take notes and then i would rank them and that's how i would determine what my favorite play was i haven't done that this year no, because we both got smart this year, and like, and it's again, this is the fifth time we're doing this, so we, it's about time we got smart about this. And we both did this like without consulting each other. Like, I was taking notes all year with this episode in mind, right? So it's like I saw a great play. I'm like, oh, that's a contender for a play of the year, you know? Oh, that's a contender for a song of the year or a movie. Like, and God knows how many TV shows I watched this year. I mean, like, I can't even tell you like all the shows I watched this year, but I was keeping a short list. Anytime I watched something that I said that was really amazing, it went on my short list of TV show, you know, my favorite TV show. So we finally got smart and uh, and we kept the running, I kept the running note ready for this year. So like, I'm ready, I'm ready for this episode. I'm ready, ready as ready as I'll ever be. It's so true. And I've, I did the same thing. I've been keeping a running tab of things. And so mm-hmm. 
it took me very little time to prepare for today's episode because everything was already done pretty much. Actually, this morning and last night, I felt really weird. I'm like, man, we're, we're recording tomorrow. Like, I haven't prepared at all. Like, and, and last night I started looking at my, like, my, my, my list of like all the stuff that I was ready. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm ready. I'm like, I'm good to go. You know, like I can talk about all this stuff. I looked up a couple of things just to get some details, you know, like a little bit of details about stuff that I wanted to make sure I got the names right or situations right. But like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to roll. Okay. So let's get right into it then. The first category. Mm-hmm. And we may have renamed some of the categories, but the first category is our favorite podcast of the year. Favorite podcast. And I don't know if this is cheating, but I've got a tie because there's two. Oh, boy. Because I really couldn't determine which one I like better. Okay. So one of them is the Duke Basketball Report, which is hosted by three men, Jason Evans, Donald Wine, and Sam Klein. All three Wasn't of that th- your number one podcast last year? I don't think it was. Okay. But it could have been. Okay. <laughs> I have to go back and look. I don't remember. So the three of them are former Duke students who are now adults, graduated, and they basically just get together. In fact, they don't even get together in the same place because they all live in different cities, just like us. That's one of the things I like about their podcast. It reminds me of ours. So they get together via Zoom or whatever method they want, and they record episodes before a Duke game to preview the game, and then after the game to talk about what happened in the game, which for me is great because we get virtually no news about college basketball in this country and they focus on duke which is really all i care about so i know more about the duke basketball program now than i ever did thanks to them right that's great i mean you're the one that you know got me into that podcast you know in the first in the first place they are very knowledgeable. Like we think we're Duke fans and we know what's going on. Like we we don't know anything. Like we're just we're just casual fans. Like these guys, they know every recruit. They know the recruits for next year. Like and now they're doing something this year that I don't think they did last year. They're like they're doing an episode to preview a game, the next game. <laughs> like and they get a guest on from that school and it's really really in depth. You know, like it's really in depth. Yeah. I really enjoy it. The other one that's tied for first is uh, another one that I've mentioned to you many times, The Ongoing History of New Music, and the host of that one is Alan Cross. So this is actually, I don't know how long the podcast has been around, but the radio show has been around for, I don't know, 15 years, maybe longer, 20 years. So Alan Cross, he's like a walking encyclopedia when it comes to music. I don't know if he's got a team of researchers working for him, but the the facts that he provides in each episode are mind-boggling. And I always learn something new. And, you know, you also get to hear some good songs in between, you know, because he'll play some music in between, which is great. So it's just, and it's also, it's only once a week. So it's not like, um, you know, a huge time commitment, like those daily podcasts where I feel like, uh uh-oh, there's a new episode and I haven't listened to it yet and I'm behind. I don't feel that way with ongoing history of new music, partly because there's only one per week and also because you can listen to them anytime. It's not like I have to listen to it today. I can listen to it tomorrow, next week, next month, and it's still relevant. Right, right. The daily stuff, like I, I, I subscribe to a few daily podcasts, you know, like, but they're mostly like the news of the day. Like, and I read the topic and if I don't, not interested, I, I just swipe Swipe to delete, and 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 maybe the next day I'll listen to it if I like the topic. But yeah, uh, the new music, uh, the hi- ongoing history of new music podcast is also another one that you got me on, and I do listen to it and I do enjoy it. 
for me, favorite podcast, I had three that I wrote down. Uh, so like there's three that sort of made the cut into the short list. Um, I'll just tell you the two that were like that I really liked, but that I didn't make the number one. One of them is a CBC podcast. It's called Death in Crypto Land. Um, I don't know if you listen I've to heard that of it or not. Um, it's all about this guy, Gerald Cotton, and he's a Canadian guy who's had a anyways it's kind of a weird story but like he died with mysterious kind of circumstances and then all of a sudden he was the only one that had the password to like all this money that people invested and anyways it turned out that wasn't necessarily true it's it's a very very interesting podcast to listen to um especially if you're anyway interested in bitcoin i'm sure like you'll find it even more fascinating than i did the other one is an interesting there's this podcast that i listen to called dark woods and it's not like any podcast you've ever listened to. Like it's, it's fiction. It's 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 like an old time radio show. It's voice actors. It's not a true story. It's not anything. And it's it's the creator of this podcast is Dick Wolf, who's the 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 executive producer of the whole Law and Order universe, right? So um, it's actually a really good listen. It's like a kind of mystery, and it looks like there's going to be season two because it ended on a sort of non-ending you know so um we'll see where it goes but my number one podcast of the year and i talked about it all year long many times is heavyweight um that's hosted by jonathan goldstein it's one of these gimlet media podcasts and it's kind of like this um true life podcast with interesting kind of interesting stories about different situations it's mostly about people trying to find out or find out something or relive something from their past that they want to uh, re-explore. Um, I listened to every episode a million times this year. I listened to the whole things, the complete, all the seasons over and over. I listened to so many, listened to so many times. Anyways, there's new episodes this year. Some of them were really good. Some of them I found a bit disappointing. And of course, you know, they moved to Spotify only, uh, which I was disappointed with. I stuck with them. I mean, the fact that I stuck with the podcast even after it moved to Spotify is a testament to how much I really enjoyed it because I, I really want to keep listening to it. So Heavyweight is my number one podcast of the year. And I did listen to a few episodes of Heavyweight based on your recommendation, and I did enjoy it, but I did not make the switch to Spotify. Favorite movie. Okay, so our next category is yeah. our favorite movie. And so I need to remind some of the new listeners that... This movie, or when we get to TV show as well, and when we get to song as well, it might not have been released this year, but I may have only discovered it this year. So to me, it counts. So like you've said in other years, I didn't see as many movies as as I had t- as I've watched TV shows. I, I hadn't I haven't been to the movie theater, so I have watched a lot of movies on via the streaming services. My number one movie of the year is a movie on Apple TV. Plus, and it's called CODA, C-O-D-A. I think I may have mentioned this on one of our episodes. CODA stands for Child of Deaf Adult. And it's a kind of coming of age story about this girl who is a hearing person. She's capable of hearing. But her brother and her father and her mother are all deaf. So she lives in a deaf family, even though she can hear. And it's truly an amazing movie. Like, I don't know if it's a true story. I I hope it is. (laughs) I don't know if it is, but it's really fantastic. And you know, Josh, one of my common themes almost every year is I like movies that have music 
And this is all about singing. It's all about music. So um, it's really fantastic, and I recommend it to anybody. So that's it. Sounds like a great movie. And one of these days, I'm going to have to bite the bullet and subscribe to Apple and Disney because it seems like all the good movies are on those um, platforms. Apple Apple TV Plus does not have a big catalog. It's not like huge like Netflix. I think it's only like five bucks a month, honestly, or six, something like this. They don't have nearly as close to the catalog of Netflix, but they have some really good shows and some real. they just have some really good stuff on there, honestly. So like you said, I didn't see many movies. In fact, mm-hmm. I saw one movie at the theater this year and I saw 28 other movies on television. Wow, you counted them. Well, I just, every time I saw a movie, I wrote it down. And so then I okay. counted my list at the end of the year and there were 28 movies. That's great. But my favorite movie is actually from 2017. Oh. And it's called The Big Sick. I don't know if you've heard of it. I'm guessing you haven't seen it. Big Sick. I've heard of this. Remind me what it is. So um, the main character is a Pakistani comic and he meets an American graduate student at one of his stand-up shows. And they start a relationship. But the thing is, his family fully expects him to have an arranged marriage with a Pakistani woman. And he doesn't tell his family that he's dating an American girl. Anyway, I'm not going to spoil the whole movie for you. But roughly halfway through the movie, she finds out that he hasn't said a thing to his family about her. Gets very upset, of course. And leaves. And then... She actually gets really, really sick where she's in a coma in the hospital. And he goes to visit her, but he can't talk to her because she's in a coma. Mm, and okay. that's how and that's how he meets her parents. Oh, he meets her parents under like difficult circumstances. Exactly. Okay. Anyway, I've told you enough. I'm not gonna spoil the rest of it. That's my favorite movie of the year, even though it's from 2017. Right. Beautiful. Okay. I really feel like I have to tell you about the worst movie I saw this year because I wrote it down because it's it's really, really that bad. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. This is great. <laughs> it's a movie that had so much hype and like it, it ended up on Crave, I believe, at one point during the year after it had its theatrical release like for a certain amount of time. And that's the movie Tenet. You know this movie Tenet? You heard about it? I remember when it came out at the theater because... It was, was a lot dur- of hype about it. It was during. It was also during, like, before anyone had their their um, COVID vaccine. Right. You couldn't go to a movie, but you could go to a drive-in. And I remember this was one of like two movies that were playing at the drive-in, and I was considering going only because I wanted to see a movie. In the end, I didn't go. Thank God you didn't go. So it's directed by Christopher Nolan, like you said. Like it got a lot of hype. It was like one of. The, it was his first like big movie that came out during COVID. That was like supposed to be in the movie theater and like it was this, there was so much money invested in it obviously right it is like honestly like it's completely unwatchable like it uh, and now there's maybe people are going to email and we're going to do the first show of 2022 we're going to go into the mailbag and i'm going to get mails from people saying how could you not like tenet it was so good it was so good it is complete garbage it's incomprehensible i didn't understand one thing from minute one i didn't know what the hell was going on And like, just stay away. That's all. Stay away. So here's a new category for this year that we didn't have in past years. And it's favorite documentary. Mm -hmm. Reason I am adding this category is because I'm not sure if a documentary is considered a movie or a TV show. Well, it's a movie because they have the awards at the Academy Awards, like the movie awards. Okay. They have best documentary, right? So. So my favorite documentary of this past year is called Once Upon a Time in Queens. And it's about the uh, 
It's about the 1986 New York Mets. You, you told me to do homework. You gave me homework like maybe a month ago to watch this. And I, I've watched it. I watched it all. There's four parts. This is great. Yeah. So this is why, you see, and that's the thing. There's four parts. Normally a movie doesn't have four parts, but a TV show does. So this is why I'm not sure what category. And so I've created my a separate category just for documentaries. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and I'm glad that you watched it because there are some things I wanted to talk to you about. First of all, obviously, Gary Carter was not in the documentary because, unfortunately, he passed away well before they created this. But it would have been interesting to hear from him. Now, they did interview his his um, his widow, and she had some interesting things to say, obviously. But yeah. the, the thing that I was most interested in that was, I guess, most surprising to me is how big a jerk Keith Hernandez is. Well, I was just going to say, like, He's sort of the main character of the movie. Like, he's the focal point of the whole thing. Right, but I always had this impression of Keith Hernandez, and I don't know why, that he was, like, a good guy and a good teammate. No. But he had a lot of negative things to say about his own teammates. I didn't have that impression. I mean, the the one number one image that comes to mind of Keith Hernandez, other than being on Seinfeld, is, like, a picture of him smoking a cigarette in the dugout. Right, that's right. Right? Like, so... you. Right away, you're like, okay, you kind of get the picture about this guy, right? You know, so, and then you find out, you find out the circumstances, why he was traded from St. Louis to the Mets in the first place, which I never knew, and I never could really understand. And it's basically because there was like a a drug scandal with the Cardinals, and then basically every player kind of went to the manager and the GM and kind of apologized. But Keith Hernandez just refused, so then they traded him. (laughs) He certainly has an attitude and he doesn't care about anybody else. And it was just interesting to hear him talk about like when he'd go out to the mound during a game to talk to the pitcher and Carter would also go out to the mound. Carter would go back to the plate and Hernandez would say to the pitcher, don't listen to anything Carter's telling you, do this. I think there's a lot of um, stuff that's overblown and, and a lot of stuff that's maybe true or maybe not true. Who the hell knows? That's what he thinks, but we don't know what the pitcher did, right? And... I mean, I there is one story in that movie that I definitely heard before, which was um, Jesse Orozco trying to get the last out, and I forget in which game. I think it was against the Astros, and he he couldn't. He had no fastball because he they used him so much, and he couldn't. He, any any fastball he threw, they were getting hits, and then they came out to the mound, and Keith Hernandez told him, "If you throw one more fastball, I'm going to kill you." <laughs> and then he threw only breaking balls the rest of the inning and got, and then they got out of the jam. And the other interesting thing was, I didn't even know until watching this documentary that, you know, when they had their World Series parade after winning the World Series, Dwight Gooden yeah. wasn't even at the parade. I had no idea. Right. Yeah, because he was in some crack house somewhere, right? right? Like, who knows? And also we found out that Ray Knight knew that he was not going to come back at the time of the parade, basically. Like, he already... They already started dismantling the team even before the parade, which is just ridiculous. All, yeah, very ridiculous because they could have maybe won another World Series had they kept the team together, but, you know. Who knows? You never know because everyone romanticizes the 86 Mets and I've heard, I've seen lists and many very, very prominent baseball writers consider the the 86 Mets as like one of the best teams ever, uh, you know, other than the 27 Yankees and, are, you know, like the, obviously they're super powerhouses, but they, they, they rank, they rate the, that Mets team along with some of the greatest teams ever and they were like they were one pitch away from losing they were one pitch away from losing the World Series they were a couple of pitches away from losing the championship series to the Astros it's like it's like we talked about this before but like 
no one remembers the second place, you know? If you win the championship, everything is forgiven, and you were dominant. But, I mean, that it could have went either way a million times, you know? A million times. I mean, the, they had the champagne in the Red Sox uh, dressing room. In the locker room, the champagne was out, ready for the Red Sox to celebrate, and they show how all the clubhouse attendants had to <laughs> to, to get it all out of there before they came back. <laughs> There's one part of the documentary that literally gave me chills, and it's when they showed a clip of Monday Night Football where the announcer stops commentating about the football game to tell everybody that Gary Carter has just been traded from the Montreal Expos to the New York Mets. That's how huge that news was. Now, I don't remember where I was the day that happened, but I'm sure I wasn't happy about it. Well, I remember the next day when I heard about it, like that was the end of the world to me, you know? So the last thing I'm going to say about, about this documentary is that, especially after watching the World Series this past year, if you watch yeah. this documentary, that's all you need to do to remind yourself of how much better baseball used to be back then compared to what it is today. Favorite TV show? Favorite TV show. I wrote down a short list of like four or five. Uh, I'll just tell you the ones that didn't make the cut. The Crown. I love The Crown. The, the, late, the latest season this year was The Princess Diana Story. Fantastic. If you haven't watched The Crown, go back and watch it from the beginning. On Disney Plus, I had a bunch of shows that I really liked. Um, Star Wars Star Wars stuff. So The Mandalorian was absolutely fantastic. Um, I mentioned Only Murders in the Building with Selena Gomez, Steve Martin, and Martin Short. Absolutely love that. And then my favorite Marvel show of the year was WandaVision. I absolutely adored that show. And I talked about it. I just absolutely thought it was completely original. But all that to say, my number one show of the year, and I mentioned it, and it's going to be no surprise to you. And that's season one and two, because I watched them both this year, of Ted Lasso, which is on Apple TV Plus. I mean, it won awards. It won all kinds of actual awards, not our awards, you know. Um, it's just a fantastic show. It's funny. It's dramatic. It's charming. It's emotional. It's quirky. It's got everything you want to know, you want to have in a TV show. It's just in thoroughly, thoroughly entertaining and, and a must watch for anybody. So that's, that's my number one show of the year, Ted Lasso. That's an excellent pick. And of course, I haven't seen season two yet, but I hopefully will eventually. Mm -hmm. So I'll do similar to what you did. I'm going to name some shows that didn't win the title for me, but were excellent. Um, a show called Unbelievable that you recommended on Netflix. Fantastic. Um, another show from Netflix that you also recommended called Made, spelled M-A-I-D. Fantastic too. And then finally, another show which is actually a few years old and it's not from Netflix and it's called The Night Of. Oh yeah, that's an HBO show. That's amazing. Yes. That's so, already like five years old, I think. That's I right. know, but I just watched it this year, so. Yeah. yeah. And those were all excellent shows and worthy of being my favorite show of the year. But actually... Um, this is interesting because I'm 99% sure that you have not watched one episode of this show and yet it was easily my favorite show of the year. It's actually, yeah. it's actually from Amazon and it's also from 2017, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh my God. You know, a friend of ours, Jamie, uh, recommended that I watch this show. He told me uh, and his wife, Pam, like they, they really love this show. And he, and they were the ones who recommended it to me actually. 
I was going to watch it, but then we, we, we didn't keep up our Amazon subscription. I don't have Amazon right now. Maybe if I get it back, we'll watch it. Is it really that good? So it's really that good. So there have been three seasons so far. And actually, yeah. season four is premiering on February 18th. Mm-hmm. So about a month and a half from now. Um, so it's, it's set in New York's Upper West Side in the 1950s. The main character, her name is Miriam Maisel. And I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing her last name right. And right. she's played um, the actor. The actress's name is is Rachel Brosnahan. Mm-hmm. So she's she's excellent in this show. But there are other actors and actresses in this show that are great. For example, my favorite character is Miriam's dad. His name is Abe, and it's Tony Shalhoub who's the actor. Tony Shalhoub is phenomenal in my opinion. Well, he's a great actor. Yeah. The other people that you've heard of, Kevin Pollock is in this as well. He plays yeah. Miriam's father-in-law. Um, but anyway, it's just, it's really, really funny. It was, it's one of those shows, one of the few shows where an episode would end and I couldn't wait to watch the next episode. That's the true, that's the true hallmark of a, of a great show, right? Yeah. Right. I watched three seasons in like I'm, maybe three weeks. Because there's some shows that like me and my wife started watching and we're like, okay, we're going to watch this. And then we're three episodes in and then we go to bed because it's late. And then the next day, we're like, what do you want to watch? And then I'm like, do you want to continue with what we watched yesterday? And it's like, if you have to ask that question, then, you know, you know the answer, right? All right. Well, that concludes the pop culture part. We're going to move on to sports, I guess, right? No, we still have have favorite song. Oh, my God. Favorite song, the most important category. That's why I left it for last. Favorite song is like the granddaddy of them all, you know, like the Rose Bowl. You know, it's like the most important in a way. That's right. Favorite song. Well, only because I know you've had your favorite song written down like for the whole year. So I can't wait to hear it. So, yes, I did have my favorite song written down for a while, but then a new song emerged. Mm. And so that song got bumped. Wow. So basically, and, and this is interesting because remember you said how I picked the same podcast as my favorite podcast two years in a row? Yeah. So the band that I'm about to pick is called Said the Whale. They're from Vancouver. Oh, yeah. And they were, they had my favorite song of the year, I think two years ago, two or three years ago, they had my favorite song of the year. What was the song? Un-American? Correct. So this year, they also have my favorite song of the year. And this one's called 99 to the Moon, which is a great song. If you haven't heard it, I hope you like it. But I love you to the moon and back again. The title of the song, and this is just what I read on the internet, it can either be interpreted as the year 1999 until forever, or as the 99 B line, which is a bus that runs east-west in Vancouver <laughs> to wherever both. you're going. Yeah. So one other thing about this band, they're going on a Canadian tour. Of course, this all is pending COVID, but they're going on a Canadian tour starting in March, and I hope to see them live. Very good. I mean, one thing about your song of the year, every year, this is the fifth time, it's always a song that I've never heard before, but it's always a song that will make it into my music library right right after I listen to it. They're always great songs, so I can't wait to hear that one. I'm honored to hear that. 
So song of the year for me, I'm going to kind of cheat. But I mean, if you press me for a song, I'll give you one. But I don't have a song for you. I have a whole album. (laughs) Okay, even better. (laughs) And I think you know where I'm going with this. And that's Casey Musgrave's album, Starcrossed. So, I mean, this is the album that I've been waiting for for years. I I think her last album came out in 2018. I only got onto it in 2019. I mean, her last album, Golden Hour, is an absolute masterpiece. And then I've been waiting for this album, kind of like without expectations, but still waiting for it because there's no way it could be better than the other one. It's just impossible that it could be better than her, her last album. And... It's really close. It's really freaking close because it's that good. And I mean, anybody who wants to check out Casey Musgraves, just go find Starcrossed and give it a listen. And and you're hopefully you'll fall in love like I did. But I mean, it's just I just absolutely adore it. It's it's easily the album that I listened to the most this year. It's was when it came out, I listened to it nonstop for probably like two months. I don't know. So normally when you have your song of the year, I've never heard of it either. But actually, the radio station that I listen to every day plays Casey Musgraves. So I've heard a few of her songs. Yeah. She's an interesting artist because obviously she started off as a country singer in case people didn't know. And her first couple of albums are country. And then Golden Hour got away from the country a little bit, although it's still considered country. And this album gets away from it even more. Like anybody who asked me, like I would tell you that Casey Musgraves does not have a genre. She's not country. She's not pop. She's not anything. She's almost her own genre at this point. Like I can't even describe it. I saw someone on Twitter describe it as like psychedelic country pop. Like I don't know how. To, maybe that's how. Maybe that's what it is. But she's her own. She has her own distinct uh, sound. So very nice. Excellent choice. So we now move to um, the sports categories. Let's do it. The sports. I mean, I don't know. Like, I think both of us didn't watch as much sports this year as we had the previous year and even the previous year before that. Like, you much less. Like, you, you've you made it clear that you have not watched any football, right? Like, you have not watched any NFL. You don't watch NBA. So, like, your, 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 your pool of things to choose from is a lot smaller <laughs> than it's been. Yes and no, because if you recall a year ago when we did this episode, there was very little to choose from because a lot of sports oh, were canceled. Absolutely. So this year, no... most sports were not canceled. Right. So we have we have some stuff to choose from. Correct. Right. Favorite play. So we're going to start with our favorite play of the year, right? Like what what play blew your mind? There was some really amazing plays this year. Like I, you had emailed me this play, like, or you sent it to me by a text, like this wacky play on disc golf. Like, you know this play I'm talking about? This hole in one on disc golf? Uh, yes, like, I do remember that one. In terms of like the actual technical feat that was achieved, that has to be number one. But obviously like we, we're not disc golf aficionados. So like I'm just having all the honorable mentions. Connor McDavid scored... I mean, a zillion highlight real goals. There was one fairly recently where he basically deked out the entire Rangers team. It reminded me of like my son's like hockey games when he played like, you know, uh, peewee hockey or even younger, like uh, um, 
uh, Adam level hockey where there was always one kid. If one kid was better than everyone else and he could just go between everyone, which is what McDavid does every day, which is kind of crazy because he's in the NHL. And, uh, but the, um, the play that I picked was Jalen Suggs buzzer beater in the final four game against UCLA. So, you know, UCLA ties the game with 3.3 seconds left and it's probably headed to overtime and Suggs just runs down the court, crosses half court, throws up a buzzer beater, bam, in, and Gonzaga's in the championship game. Zang, again with the ball in his hands, in the paint, floater, short, got it back, ties it with three. Gonzaga has time to do something. Suggs for the win. That play probably would be just as famous as Christian Leitner's play against Kentucky if Gonzaga would have went on to win the championship. But because they lost to Baylor, this play is going to kind of get forgotten after a certain point. I mean, obviously, if you're a Gonzaga person, you know, you're never going to forget it. But, like, it's never going to be as famous as it should be, you know? so. Well, you're right, because I actually forgot about it until you just mentioned it now. So you're absolutely <laughs> right. But it is a good choice. So, I can't wait to hear your play of the year. Okay, so honorable mention that did not make it but could have was yeah. actually a play that you and I witnessed together, which is very rare because I didn't go to very many sporting events this year. Oh, I know which one. We went it's... to the Canada versus Panama soccer match on October yeah. th- 13th, and we saw Alfonso Davies score a phenomenal goal. So that right. could be anybody's play of the year. It's not really the goal that he scored. It's that he ran down the guy on the sideline and kept the ball in bounds. It was madness. Exactly. Yeah. And there's actually one angle of that replay that I think the ball is out of bounds, but I'm not arguing. <laughs> right. But my play of the year, and I don't know if you're going to be happy or upset about this, uh, actually happened on May 29th. And it was an overtime goal scored by Esperi Kotkaniemi in game six versus Toronto. Paul Byron to Shea Weber and back. Travis Kumit lost it inside the line. Chance Kotkaniemi scores! Yes, Perry Kotkaniemi! And there will be a Game 7! So, but, but why that play? I will tell you why. Because, first of all, I had said to you during Game 5 in a text message that if Montreal wins Game 5 in Toronto and then they go back to Montreal to play Game 6 and they win at home... They could win the series. Yeah. I did say that to you. Yeah, and you thought absolutely. I was drunk. No, so, no. I mean, I, 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 I was right with you. Like, so the reason, the reason I'm picking this one is because, first of all, it was an overtime goal. So that's already, you know, that, that amplifies it a little bit. The yeah. second thing is, I know you don't really consider Toronto as a, as a rival to the Canadians. But me living in this city... No, no. They consider us a rival. Correct. That, and me yeah. living in Toronto... I get a lot of abuse from Toronto fans when Montreal loses. So for me, I just wanted Montreal to win the first round. I I mean, sure, it would have been nice if they went further, and they did. But like, as long as Montreal won the first round against Toronto, I was free and clear from any abuse from any Maple Leafs fans for the rest of the year. And you know when that goal went in, there was no way the Leafs were winning Game 7. Well, that's it. What I wrote down here is once Kotkaniemi scored in overtime and they won Game 6, and by the way, Toronto dominated that overtime— 
once he scored not that, even the over, not just the overtime, the last 10 minutes of the third period was complete domination. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And once that happened, it gave Montreal the psychological edge in game seven. And sure enough, Montreal won game seven. Yeah. Very good. Now, the other thing, a couple other things about that goal. I don't know if you realize, Kotkaniemi used to wear jersey number 15 when he played for Montreal. And the mm-hmm. goal was scored at 15-15 of the overtime. I don't know if you oh, knew that. Didn't know that. By the way, here's something that bugs me. Things that bug me? I was researching this, this goal, this game, actually. I was researching it last night. I went to pretty much every sports website I could think of yesterday. And I am not able to find the shots on goal breakdown per period from that game anywhere. Which to me is mind-blowing that I can't find that. I think I looked this up a while ago. Did we talk about this? Because I think I had the same experience or I'm having some kind of deja vu feeling right now. I think I had... I, I, I remember trying to find this as well and it was extremely difficult. Like if you looked it up the day after the game or even a week after, you you'd find, find it. it. But now all I get is the total shots on goal. I can't get the breakdown. And the reason mm-hmm. I was looking for it is because I think Montreal may have only had one or two shots on goal that entire no, overtime. I, I think I think it was the only shot in overtime. That was the first shot in overtime. Right. And that's why I wanted yeah. to find out, but I'll never know. Uh, by the way, an underrated play of the year that I forgot to mention, and it's not really a play, it's a celebration. It was also the Canadian men's national soccer team, the game in Edmonton against Mexico, when uh, Sam Adebuke, um, he he jumped into the snowbank. So that's like, that's like also going to live on forever. Like pretty, pretty cool play. Very cool play. And every time I see it, my back hurts. Oh yeah. He lands right in the snow. That's great. Okay. So the next category is. Favorite team. So sort of like when Time Magazine picks like their man of the year, it's not necessarily like the best person of the year. It's not like the person who made the greatest difference to society. It's not the guy who won the Nobel Peace Prize or the guy who created a cure for a deadly disease. It's usually like the thing or person who who like was the most newsworthy. Like what was on our mind in this year? So in that spirit, the team that definitely dominated our psyches, our minds, our hearts, and mostly our podcast as well, is the Montreal Canadiens, for better and for worse, because they took us on a run of all runs all the way to the Stanley Cup final, and then had a very, very short offseason, and then started the 2021-22 season um, pretty awfully, and they are one of the worst teams in the league right now. Worst, like worst, worst, and they are on pace to be the worst team in the history of the Montreal Canadiens franchise. So, so in terms of like something to uh, the team that we talked about the most, it's definitely the Montreal Canadiens because they 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 gave us the biggest highs and the biggest lows, right? So that that's my team of the year. Excellent choice, and I'm going to point out now that so far we have none the same. Uh huh. And that will continue. Oh my, I thought you were going to say you had them also. (laughs) So do you recall who my team of the year was a year ago? I had a tie. It was the Canadian women's national basketball team and the Canadian women's national soccer team. Those were my favorite teams of the year a year ago. Right, 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 right. So this year, my favorite team of the year, there's only one, and it's the Canadian national women's soccer team. And it's because they won the gold medal at the Tokyo Olympics. And it's a great choice. That was actually a very exciting uh, two-week period, but also watching that game live was a very exciting two hours or however long yeah. it took. 
Um, and it was actually like, I, I felt almost the same emotion, if not more emotion watching that game as I do watching any Canadians playoff game. Yeah, no, I, the whole country was behind them. It was really spectacular. The games were on at crazy hours. I was waking up in the super early in the morning to watch the games, setting my PVR in case I slept. Like it was really like uh, a big focus for a lot of people in the country, and you know the ratings were phenomenal. Um, when I was thinking about this category, I was thinking about 2022, and I think you know if the Canadians men's national team makes the World Cup, as we all hope they will. That's they're already going to be a front runner for favorite team of the year next year because that's going to be incredible to see them in the World Cup. Hopefully, you're absolutely right. And one other thing yeah. about that gold medal game to see the look on the faces of the Canadian women, the players on the team, like as the goal was scored and then during the celebration after that, it was just amazing to see like all the emotion on their faces all the work that they put into it for years to get to that point was phenomenal. There's a lot of veterans on that team, Christine Sinclair aside, a whole bunch that have been around. They're names that anybody who's watched the women play, they know, you know the names, you see them all the time, right? And then they had the mix of the new players, right? They had uh, Grasso, the, the, the young woman who kicked the decisive penalty. And then, of course, uh, Alfonso Davies' girlfriend, I think. Uh, what's her name? Sure. Jordan Heidemann. Yeah, right? exactly. So, um like, uh, it's it's good. You know, we're, we're going to be, Christine Sinclair is going to retire soon and we're going to be in the next generation, you know, I think, which is great because that's, that's how a dominant sort of program starts, right? That's how you do it. You get the continuity, you get, you know, the younger players looking up to the older players and then they take the mantle after, you know, so. Okay, so the next category, and I'll go first on this one, is yeah. favorite athlete of the year. Let's do it. Favorite athlete. So for me, this is actually pretty easy. Um, it was Leila Fernandez, the female oh. Canadian tennis player who made it all the way to the finals of the U.S. Open. Unfortunately, she lost to another teenage uh, phenom, Emma Raducanu. But still, the run that Leila Fernandez went on to get to the finals was unbelievable. She knocked out four seeded players, including three ranked in the top five, just to get to the finals. So that alone right. was phenomenal. The, the U.S. Open was so much fun because of her. And then we also had Felix Auger-Aliassime on the men's side advancing really far as well. It was like tennis was like appointment viewing or like when's the next game? When's the next game? It was like tennis was on in my house all the time. My wife thought I was going crazy with the tennis. You know, like it was nuts. At one point, I mean, it didn't happen. But at one point, I was hoping that there would be a Canadian in the finals of both the men's and the women's um, tournament. But obviously that yeah. didn't happen, unfortunately. And then... So not only does she play great and she makes it all the way to the finals and she beats all these seeded players on the way there, but in the uh, post-game speech, she has the presence of mind after losing the championship game, she has the presence of mind to pay tribute to, you know, New York's resilience on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, which was also very heartwarming to hear. She made everyone in Canada proud on and off the court. Absolutely. So I'm taking a more mainstream approach to like this category, and I'm going to tell you the player who has dominated their sport more than any other player, and that's Connor McDavid, <laughs> because the stats that he put up during um, last season with the, the the different divisions, obviously, like we had the Canadian division and the the schedule and the, and the, was different. He put up stats that were like 
we have not seen since like in like 20 more in years and years like we we haven't seen stats like this since like Lemieux and Gretzky almost you know I mean he didn't get achieved that level but it was way way his 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 stats were like on another planet and then just when you think like okay well can he keep it up like he's the leading scorer again now he's dominating the league again you know like he's on another level like like I said before like talking about the plays of the year you know like for an NHL player to deke out an entire team <laughs> of other NHL players, like as if it's he's he's playing on a different level than most players in the league, most players in the league. So that's my guy Connor McDavid, and uh, and I've never been a huge fan of his. I just I'm in awe watching him play because he's just so talented. So you're absolutely right because as you know that season was shortened to what 56 games, and it would be interesting yeah. to if he had played a full 82 game season, um, he could have maybe you know caught Mario Lemieux or Wayne Gretzky's record for most points in a season had he played a full season. So we'll never know, obviously, but um, he's on a ridiculous pace now as well. So it's a, certainly a good choice. So we've we've got to our final category of this episode. Favorite game. And you're going to go first on this one, which is good because I still haven't made up my mind. Okay. So it's the favorite game of the year. And Correct. It's something that you've already talked. We've already talked about it. So it will be short and sweet. I cheated on this category. And I'm and I'm going with Habs Leafs games five, six, and seven. I'm considering that one one big event. This is right? such this is such a move that your wife would make. Yeah, one big event. You know, Canadians are down three games to three games to one. Back against the wall, they look completely down and out. Who knows? Like, they, there's no way they're going to come back in this series. Somehow, in overtime of game five, Caulfield and Suzuki get a two one zero. Like, how does that even happen? Then game six, like you said, they're completely dominated at the end. Like they are completely dominated. The Leafs look like they're going to lose. They come back at, to tie the game. And then they're like, there's no way the Leafs, so they're credit. They're like, there's no way we're losing this game. They completely dominated the Canadians in the second, the third period of game six and the complete overtime of game six. And there's only one reason why the Canadians won that game. And that's Carey Price. And of course, Kotkaniemi scores in overtime. And then game seven, it was already over. Like, it was already over by the time it got to game seven. It was over. Game seven was actually a boring game. Yeah, it was. Because after the drama of five and six, and the Canadians sort of won sort of easily. Well, not easily, but like fairly easily in game seven. And it was done. It was done. So what's your game of the year? I don't know if you have one. So I do have one. In fact, I have three. But I'll oh. count them down from three to one. It's very difficult for me. So number three is the Canada-Panama soccer match that we went to together. And part of the reason it's on my list is because we went to it together, which was That's a big a deal. Choice. Because how many sporting events have I been to this year? Only two, I yeah. think. Yeah, well, one for me. That's it. Number two, and I already mentioned this earlier, is the Canada-Sweden gold medal match. And this could have easily been my game of the year, but I'm going to keep it at number two. So number one for me, I've also mentioned it. It's game six, Montreal versus Toronto on May 29th, the Esperi Kotkaniemi game. I know he's not on the team yeah. anymore, but that's my game of the year because that was very exciting. And there and there you have my list. There you go. Beautiful. Well, I mean, we have the same, we have the same game of the year. Like I have five, six, seven, mm -hmm. you're pinpointing one specific thing, but you know. Um, actually you're right. The game that we went to Canada soccer against Panama, just just being there, the event of it. And I, I talked about it on our, on the show after. It was extremely patriotic. You know, you had the fans singing Oh Canada, and it was just everybody wearing Canada stuff. And like, just really, really great, great experience. So there you have our best of 2021. 
We're not going to do any listener mail or anything like that on today's episode. We'll get back to our regular segments in the first episode of 2022. I uh, hope everyone enjoyed this and you can send us emails and tell us what your favorite things of the year were. Want to wish you a happy new year, Josh. I hope 2022 is better than 2021. We're kind of in a real bad situation now at the end of the year, but hopefully things are going to turn around. And uh, want to wish all the listeners out there, all our podcast buddies that, you know, I correspond with, you know, about our, our, our shows and how we do the shows and, you know, like just encouraging each other. It means a lot to me. And I hope everyone has a great 2022. I, you said it really well. I can't say it any better. So I echo your comments and uh, happy new year. All right. Talk to you next time, Josh. Okay. Bye-bye.